Hey, welcome back. We are glad you're here. Don't touch that dial. You are in the right place if you're looking for inspiration, motivation, encouragement. Uh, we have it for you here at Last in Line Podcast, where we are teaching guys how to not only charge the mountain and be the tip of the spear in leadership, but also to be the kickstand that props people up and empowers and encourages other leaders to be the best version of the leader within them. We are all leaders. We all have influence. And as it says in Mark 9:35, he who wants to be first will be the last of all and servant of all. That's what Last in Line podcast is about. And I hope you walk away different than when you turned on this podcast. I hope you walk away with the revelation that you were called to lead, that you were called to have influence, and that you were called to serve. Hey, I hope everybody's doing well. Good to join you. Glad to be back. Glad you're here. Have a seat or continue staying seated as you drive. Whatever you're doing, I hope you're doing uh, it with all your heart as unto the Lord. And I hope you're honoring the people around you that love you and honoring him most importantly, which I have confidence that you are, because if you're listening to this, you're probably pretty aware of the the need for doing that. So I hope we're all doing a good job of it. Um, but anyway, good to, good to have you uh, join in around the uh, proverbial campfire with me today. Um, I don't have any coffee with me, which is crazy. I got some water today. Uh, just had a coffee protein shake-ish that I uh, fashioned on my own out of just coffee and protein powder, which is, sounds pretty gross, but it's not bad. Uh, anyway, enjoy your coffee if you have it, and I'll enjoy my water. And I wanted to talk to you today about something I think is pretty important. Um, I think it's very important. And I don't know why I haven't talked about it yet in nearly two years. I will tell you coming up, I got to get the date exactly right. You would think I would know this off the top of my head, but let's, uh, let's put your hands together for coming up on two year anniversary of last in line, September of 2020, right in the middle of the pandemic, the shamdemic, the scamdemic, the, uh, Plandemic, whatever you want to call it. Right in the middle of it, I started this podcast, wrote my first book, which was a devotional. Um, and we took off from there. Here we are. Interviewed some crazy, amazing, just awesome guests. When I say crazy, the guests themselves were not crazy, but uh, some crazy, amazing, off the charts, amazing guests. And uh, so I've been blessed beyond my belief, beyond anything I deserved. Uh, God's been good to us and, uh, I hope it just continues to grow and the audience continues to get bigger and the reach continues to, uh, touch more people. And that's our goal is to just get the message out. But if there's only five or 10 of you, uh, or 500 or 10,000 of you, uh, either way, I think God's given me a message and I hope it resonates and I hope it benefits and serves you. Uh, but today I don't know why I haven't talked about this. Like I was saying, uh, before I got off on the tangent, in two years, I haven't really talked about this. Indirectly, I've mentioned a couple of things about it, of course, but I think as dads, parents, but dads specifically, I think we have to create a standard for our family, a written set of values, uh, ethics, a code of conduct, if you will. Um, and I think 
I just broke my pen, actually. Matter of fact, I think I just broke it. Uh, anyway, I if you're on YouTube, you can kind of see that my perplexedness um, that the pen seems to be messed up a little bit. I don't know what I did. Anyway, the, the standard you live by, your family, if you were your own little army, your own little platoon, your own little tribe in the community, you have your own set of rules of engagement. You have your own set of manual, uh, ma morals, a manual of conduct, a standard that I call it. So I want to talk to you about a standard I created for us, the Shibley family standard. And I keep saying I'm going to get a canvas printed up of this and put it up in the house. I send it out to everybody in the family, but I need to have it visibly uh, right out in front in the middle of everything. I need to have it up where we can see it because I think it's something we stand for. I think it's important. Um, whether or not we're perfect at every bit of it, of course not. Uh, we're human, but if if we can get really close to hitting the mark on all these i think not only do we serve each other but we serve people and we honor god in the process and that's really what we're all about right so i'm going to give you a few of these this might be a two-part episode so part one i'm going to give you the first five of these uh and then i'll give you the next five on the next one but it's it's something that i created just one day i felt like I don't know, God may have laid it on my heart to, to write it down and then just kind of gave it to me in like a matter of about 90 seconds. And so that's how I know it was God because, I mean, I don't think I'm that smart or clever to come up with these that quickly. So I hope this r resonates with you, and I hope, hope you maybe take some of these, apply them in your family, give them your own spin, uh, trash a couple if you don't agree with them uh, or use all of them, whatever you want to do. But I think the more people that live by these standards, I think we're obviously going to change what culture looks like. We're going to rise up instead of being the silent majority. We're going to be the loud majority that stands for something. Um, and so hopefully the Christian community can lead the charge in that. So anyway, the first one's going to be we, they all start with we, cause it's our family. These are statements, declarations, proclamations. Like, this is what we are and what we do. Here we go. Number one, we love unconditionally. And that's these are simple, right? These are straightforward. You're going to not need to think real hard on these. But these are all biblically sound. These are all, um, I'm probably going to attach, not probably, I'm going to attach Scripture to each one of them. I haven't for today's purposes. But there's definitely a scripture that would attach to each one of these for sure. Um, but we love unconditionally. And this one, these are in no particular order, but if they were, this would be from hardest starting at the top of the list. And so that's this is the hardest for me. I, it's easy to love people. I'm a very loving person. It's easy to love people in my family, the closest people to me, friends. Uh, folks that I've trusted over the years. It's easy to love people that are easy to love. It's next to impossible for me to look past evil and try to somehow from a distance find some sort of love 
uh, for, you know, people who have wronged me, uh, us, people that I don't trust, people who I question ethically, I question their integrity. Uh, it's hard to love those folks, but we're called to, we're called to love our enemies. You know, we're called to bless our enemies. Uh, it's, that's a hard one, man. I can't even hardly say it without kind of getting a lump in my throat and gagging a little bit. Um, but if, if we're trying to be like Christ, which I am, I know you are, I fall short and will continue to fall short. Some days I fall way shorter than others, but loving unconditionally is one of those things that I, I can't figure out because I'm, I'm, I'm not, a, I'm ashamed to admit it. I'm not proud of this, but I'm all about in the past, let's say I've been what really more about eye for an eye. Somebody wrongs me. They hear about it at the very least, or I don't know, vengeance sort of takes over and, and you sort of get this revenge in some way. That's how I grew up. Like that's how a lot of guys I knew growing up. It was, you, you talk crap on somebody you get taught crap about and you take it too far and then it becomes, okay, well, we'll settle this like men out in the street. And, and that's really pretty immature. I mean, especially as you get older in life and you have a lot to lose, you don't typically take stuff to physical uh, fist fights. But all that to say, it's hard to love the people who don't deserve to be loved. And I first to admit, I'm, I'm probably one that, has his share of moments where I was unlovable hundred percent. I mean, full disclosure. And I know you, you're probably agreeing that you've been in the same shoes. Uh, we obviously try to minimize the times that we make people not want to love us. I mean, that sounds intuitive, but if we can't, if people love us in spite of our flaws, then we've got to figure out a way to reciprocate and that's one that's I'm a work in progress. I mean, I'm probably a work in progress on a lot of these, but hopefully this is for somebody out there that is right where I am. And and I, I encourage you that, that it's never too late to establish these standards, by the way. I mean, if you've got kids that are grown and I mean, it's never too late to to be a parent still, even, you know, as long as you're breathing and they're still your blood relative and they're still your kids, which will as long as you're both living, that'll be the case. No one can take that from you it's never too late to make parenting adjustments. It's never too late. Show your kids affection to ask forgiveness, to apologize, to just have alone time, one-on-one -on -one time and get to know them a little further. Like it's never too late. So I, I say that for everybody that thinks, well, I'm an empty nester. Excuse me. I'm an empty nester and it's a little late to set these standards. Well, it's really not because once you kind of make yourself vulnerable and, and transparent about some of the mistakes you've made, even when they were in the house. Now there's a next generation of your grandkids. Maybe you can create something that they can pass down and you can pick right back up and, and you haven't, maybe you've lost a little time, but you haven't wasted the situation and the opportunity. So the first ones we love unconditionally. All right. We agree. Check that box. I'm not great at that. We'll, we'll put a star by that one. The next one is we serve selflessly. And uh, it's impossible to serve selfishly, I think, but some people nowadays, I bet, could find a way. Uh, I guess you serve somebody in order to get something in return, maybe. That's a 
it's a way to do it selfishly, but we're talking about selflessly. Hopefully we don't have any selfish servants out there. That sounds like a oxymoron, but serving uh, selflessly to me is, I mean, that's where the rubber meets the road when it comes to living out the gospel, living out the whole reason God died, Christ died, was he was serving. He was the ransom for us. So we're to carry the torch and to pass that on and to live as servant leaders. That's why last in line behind me, that's why that exists. Last in line out of Mark 9.35 says, if those who want to be first will be last of all and servant of all. It doesn't say servant of the people you like doesn't say servant of your inner circle. Servant of all goes back to that first point of loving the unlovable. We're, we're called to serve. We're called to serve selflessly. So if I can ingrain that into the culture of my family, in the four walls of my home, and pass that on to my kids who then pass it down to theirs, if we can create that standard of serving selflessly, it, it opens doors for a lot of other healthy elements of relationships. It opens doors for prosperity. It opens doors for uh, opportunity. It, it just serving people with no ulterior motive or agenda opens the door for God to just come right down in the middle of your situation and bless you beyond anything you can imagine. That's not why we do it, but he honors that serving selflessly. The second one or the third one is we give sacrificially. So giving usually involves something monetary. Uh, in the case of tithing to your home church, it's, it's scriptural. So you can't just believe part of the Bible that works for you and then not believe the other part that maybe uh, takes a little sacrifice to activate your faith in some of those scriptures like Malachi 3.10, it says, bring your first fruits to the storehouse, right? And the storehouse is the local church. It is. And so your 10%, your first 10% goes to the church. That's tithing. Tithing isn't 5%. Tithing means 10. I think you all know that. Uh, but giving sacrificially means you got to trust God with 90% more than you can trust yourself with 100%. And so you give that 10, it's a sacrifice you would absolutely be amazed and most likely jaw-dropping moment for you if I told you how much we tithe every check. Um, it's, I mean, we look at it and think, wow, I, I struggled to pay this bill, but I'm tithing this much. Like that, you can get yourself in a trap of, is it worth it? And why wouldn't I use that money over here to pay the light bill when I'm tithing over here to the church? You know, uh, we could go off on a tangent on tithing, and I won't. But the point is, it's a sacrifice. It it really is a sacrifice, and it's about obedience. Giving sacrificially is about obedience. It doesn't always mean just your money, um, your time, your talents. Giving sacrificially. If I coach a, my son's baseball team, the three hours that I'm out at practice twice a week, which I've done that for years. Uh, last year was the first year. I haven't done that in a long time. Um, I took a step away from it, you know, because he stopped playing baseball. And so it makes sense that I wouldn't necessarily coach. But those were three hours twice a week, not 
counting the games, that that's a sacrifice. I could be home doing this. I could be home writing books. I could be home with my wife. I could be home twiddling my thumbs out on the back patio. Um, it's a sacrifice, but I'm giving because I'm called to be there and to stand in the gap for people and to show up for people and to serve and to give. That's what we're called to do. I mean, it's not about us. A lot of these standards that I'm coming to you today with, uh, if you could take yourself out of the equation, it'd be a lot easier to, to activate and elevate and execute these. So giving sacrificially, like that's really, uh, you know what a, a sacrifice bunt is in baseball. And here I go with baseball terms again, but I think you get it. Uh, you, you love me anyway, hopefully, but Hey, sacrifice bunt means you're giving yourself up for the team. You're an automatic out most, most likely, but you're advancing a runner. So you're giving up your opportunity to have a good at bat and get a base hit or a home run or do something spectacular at the plate. You're giving up that opportunity. You're giving up that right for the good of the team. So you're sacrifice bunting. You're laying down a short little bunt. If you don't know baseball, man, God bless you. Bless your heart. We'll talk later. But sacrifice bunt, you're giving up yourself. Sacrifice and giving sacrificially, you're giving of yourself. You're taking yourself out of the equation, taking a back seat, and you're putting somebody else first. And you're, you're sacrificing something that's important to you for the good of somebody else. That's it in a nutshell. So that's number three. I'm coming at you today with the Shibley Family Standards. This is part one. I'm giving you the first five. Uh, and uh, the, the fourth one is we forgive mercifully. I guess I could have put in there we forgive graciously as well. Uh, but forgiving sometimes involves more mercy than grace. It's both. But in my situation where I haven't, I've required to be forgiven, someone to forgive me for a fault, a betrayal, a mistake, a failure. I'm requiring a level of mercy that it's, it's something that I, they're, they're not giving me what I deserve in that moment. Grace, you've heard, is someone giving you something that you don't deserve in a good way. Mercy is not giving you what you deserve, punishment, consequence, judgment, condemnation, whatever it is, uh, retaliation. Mercifully, we forgive mercifully. So even though someone deserves the wrath of a particular um, retaliation or our response in a situation where we've been betrayed, we've been wronged, it requires mercy to forgive that person not giving them what they deserve. That's a hard one. Put another star by that one because, man, I suck at that sometimes. That one is is hard, and I think you'll see a common thread is when somebody comes at me or my family, I'm very protective. I'm very defensive. Uh, I, I'm, I can be very volatile and get angry quickly in that protector mode as I'm sure you can, that doesn't make me special. I'm not looking for a badge of honor for that. I'm not proud sometimes of what I say and do in those situations. I'm not very Christ-like, but I can tell you I've gotten better. Um, but I will say I, it, there requires a level of mercy that sometimes I don't have 
to forgive someone. So it takes time. That's another thing. I think I'm going to let you off the hook because right now, if you're dealing with somebody that needs a lot of forgiveness and a lot of grace and a lot of mercy and you're not giving it, that's okay. Let yourself off the hook. Cut yourself a break because it doesn't mean you won't ever get there. But it takes prayer. It takes God intervening on your behalf and really the Holy Spirit coming in and, and just giving you some sort of supernatural peace uh, that allows you to move forward in the forgiveness because the forgiveness isn't for that person. You, you've heard this before. If you've listened to any sermon at a church of any kind and they've talked about forgiveness, you've heard this. It's not about, it's not for them, it's for you. God says, forgive as I have forgiven to you, like as, as I've forgiven you. He says, you know, we can't enter the kingdom of heaven if we're harboring bitterness, resentment, unforgiveness, uh, judgment. You know, it's we've been given forgiveness, so we're called to give it as well. So God says, you know, he's not good. He's, he's prepared to judge us for harboring that unforgiveness because we've been given the forgiveness on our end by him. So again, it, you don't have to get there overnight. I mean, I'm going to let you rest easy a little bit. It takes time, but again, you got to get there eventually. It's, it's, it's poison to you. It's poison to your system. It, it blocks any sort of peace or blessing that God has for you. Any sort of wisdom that he wants to grant and give you direction. Like you're, you're basically kinking the hose, uh, the water hose. Like if you've ever kinked the hose, you know, the, it, the water can be turned on all day, but if you got it kinked, you're not getting anything out. So you're kinking the hose if you're harboring this unforgiveness from God to just pushing out these blessings and flooding you with mercy and grace on your own in your own situation. So let's let's try to get there, pray about it, get there for, for you, not for the person, because they definitely don't deserve it. You're not giving them permission to keep doing what they did. You're not granting them uh, a hall pass. You're not saying it's okay what you did. You're just forgiving them so you can let yourself off the hook with God. It's between you and God. So then number five, last one for today, part one of the Shibley family standards. Number five is we encourage humbly. Kind of seems weird that I would put humbly with encourage, I guess, but it takes a level of humility to Put somebody else's needs for affirmation ahead of your own needs for talking about yourself, for saying how great you are, or for talking about a job you did. If you're encouraging somebody else and you put that first in a conversation, you're kind of taking a back seat. So it takes a level of humility to swallow that situation and not talk so much about yourself, but get in their shoes for a second. Encourage them. Uh, speak life over them, give them praise, tell them they did a good job. Uh, you, you would be amazed. Maybe you wouldn't, but I'm amazed at how much people like to talk about themselves. And in conversation, I notice this because I'm in sales and I get paid to be empathetically wired to listen and to do 20% of the talking and the customer talk 80%. But in life, you'd be surprised how many people do all the talking. I've been conditioned to ask a lot of questions, get people talking about themselves, and then encouraging them in those moments, like just 
empowering people with words is a huge a huge weapon in the arsenal of Christian people. Like it's a great, and I say weapon for good. Uh, it's a great tool to prop others up, to lead in a servant capacity, to encourage humbly. So we're, we're called to do that because the more people we can lift up, I think we in turn will be elevated indirectly and unintentionally. You know, God's going to exalt us. Um, you know, it, it talks about he who uh, exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. And so I want to be exalted, I, and I really want it to be God that exalts me, not another guy, another person in life, another worldly source. Uh, so I want to be humble so that I can be exalted. And so I think we humbly encourage because we want others to feel empowered. We want others to feel confident. We want to acknowledge when other people do well. We want to, you know, we want to acknowledge how remarkable somebody might be in a situation that we notice, we take notice of. Not everybody does that. You'd be, you know, you'd be shocked that we, people don't go out of their way to encourage each other. People don't go out of their way to point out what somebody did right or somebody did well because they think that diminishes them. And then they think that person's got a leg up. And in a world that we're all competitive and, and chasing the same stuff, and we're all trying to get to the top of the ladder before the other person, and we're all grabbing each other and pulling each other down on social media, we're all pushing each other from each side of the aisle, we're spitting on each other. You know, it's, it's, it's hardly ever just this encouragement component where we're trying to lift each other up. The Bible talks about outdoing each other in honor. If we could, what if we could outdo each other with honor? I think I did a podcast a couple weeks ago about that. I had, had that scripture in there, but outdoing you with encouragement and honor, if we all did that, what would the world look like? So I think that was important. I put that in there that we encourage humbly. So take the eyes of our, off ourselves. God exalts us when we humble ourselves. And so that's what I want. I want God's blessing. I want God's favor. I want God's provision. I want God's uh, healing. I want God's exalting of me, lifting me up, because nobody can do it better than he can. So that's the first five. Uh, The Shibley family standard, and you can have all of these if you'd like. You can adjust them. Uh, I put, you know, couple uh, adverbs at the end here of each one of these. So I'll give you the first five and we'll talk about the next one or the next five on the next episode. We love unconditionally. We serve selflessly. We give sacrificially. We forgive mercifully and we encourage humbly. So as my dad used to say, put that in your pipe and smoke it. Um, so, hey, send us an email, lastinlineleadership at gmail.com. Find us on uh, Instagram. Uh, find us and follow us and, and shoot us a message. Uh, last underscore in underscore line underscore leadership. Uh, go to YouTube, subscribe to our pay, to our channel. Give us a rating and review on, on Apple Podcasts, anywhere you find podcasts. Share it, please. Trying to grow the audience. Hopefully this message resonated with you. Hopefully you find value in it. Hopefully you got something out of it. Hopefully you can apply it. But develop your own family standard, and we'll come back next episode with part two. So with that, 
Be blessed. Make your escape.